and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 452. That's right. We are talking tonight about Justice League Last Ride number five from Chip Zdarsky. Is every issue going to be a woohoo, Chad, from this point on? I I think in terms of pure enjoyment, I'm enjoying it more and looking forward to reading it more than the current Green Lantern series. Now, that's not to severely admonish the current green lantern series it's just say personal preference wise i think if justice league last ride and the latest issue of green lantern came out on the exact same day i'm pretty sure i'd lead, read last ride first i'm just saying that you you would you have woohooed every the last three times we've recorded that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> oh man um before we get into it there's a lot of other stuff we're going to get into into tonight after we do the issue recap but uh, for you guys out there, I, I follow the Green Lantern hashtag over on Twitter, and I had just had it pulled up in case anything popped up while we were recording. Because for some reason that happens to us, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about something and be like, "Hey, I'm sure they'll announce news about blah 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 soon enough." And like it's five minutes after we hang up, I swear, <laughs> news will pop up. But uh, I saw an interesting tweet. Like this is brand new to even me. Like I know Mark and I talked a little bit before recording about what we were going to talk about tonight, but this is even newer than that conversation. Did you know? And this is from a, a, a Twitter user called Eternal Freaks. Did you know that Paul Cornell, uh, in his original pitch for the Demon Knights title from the New Fifty Two. He saw the team as sort of a medieval Justice League with a Hawkman, a Hawk Girl, maybe a uh, Valreem, a.k.a. Shazam, champion, and a stranded Green Lantern, a.k.a. Yalan Gurr. No. Demon Knights could have had freaking Yalan Gurr. <laughs> that would have that, 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 that pushed it over the top. I mean, I think I think a lot of people, and I don't remember what 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 series of the New Fifty Two you ended up reading, but of the people who reflect back and maybe tried out every one of those new series, I'm pretty sure a lot of people. I know I do. Uh, Demon Knights is one of the ones I positively remember, or remember positively, I should say, in terms of uh, see it in a good light. I thought Demon Knights was a fantastic series. So I think it actually would have elevated the series just that much more. It certainly is intriguing news for not not the most certainly nowhere near the top top list of what could have been, but it is it is interesting that somebody would throw that around and of all Green Lanterns to to pick. So 
For sure. I just, I only, I only bring it up. I, I'm, I'm asking the person who tweeted this, what their source for this is, but maybe there's more to it in the interview uh, that where, or whatever, that wherever this came from, but regardless, Justice League last ride number uh, five is out. And this series got cut off at the knees with uh, issue seven being the final issue as opposed to issue eight, which we had discussed before. So after this two more issues and then we are done. I thought it was a particularly enjoyable issue, though, though it did feel like it went a little fast, but we will get into that. So let me page over to, I guess, the final page for the title credits here. This one is titled Dark Side is Power by Chip Zdarsky as our writer, Miguel Madoka as our artist, uh, Enrica Angoli, Angolini is our colorist, and World Design did the letters, Derek Robertson and Diego Rodriguez did the cover, uh, Dyke Ruin did the variant cover. Katie Kubert and Michael McAllister are our editors. And then, of course, we have our created credits for Batman and Superman. So we open up where we left off in the present this time in the story, where a, uh, a com- combination cyborg Superman brainiac is bearing down on Superman and Wally West Flash who are outside of um, Desaad's vacation summer home torture chamber thing where they are guarding Lobo. Uh, The Brainiac uh, Cyborg Superman is leading a pack of Manhunters. Superman and Flash do Maneuver 39, which uh, apparently consists of Superman flying up and then flying right back down to the ground and smashing it very hard to cause the ground to splinter and dust to ravel up while Flash races behind him back and forth whirling his arms around uh, to create uh, some some hurricane force winds and blow the debris and dust back into the face of whoever's coming down, which is actually kind of a cool move. Um, but in addition to Manhunters, they have brought other uh, bounty hunters whose characters I don't recognize, except I think maybe one of them would be the Brainiac from Rebels. Maybe. We'll see. Anyways. Over in the main uh, dark side hall, whatever we're calling the, the the main throne room or whatever, or the main tech, tech room, Batman is trying to hack in. He gets uh, how to boost the power and signal of everything. Then there's a panel on the wall that lights up, which concerns everybody. Meanwhile, out in space, Diana and Jon Stewart are facing down Mongol. Uh, and and the people that he brought with him, but it's mostly just Mongol. Uh, while Mongol is distracted by taking on John, Wonder Woman comes up behind him, slashes his jetpack, and kicks him off into space. Um, and meanwhile, back on the ground, uh, Superman is taking on uh, Brainiac, Cyborg Superman. He says, uh, Lobo dying will undermine the ineffective United Planets allowing Brainiac to fill that void. But even better, I was promised the Justice League's heads on a plate. Meanwhile, uh, over in uh, the little palace where Hal and Batman are, uh, the door lights up and behind which the we see a glowing room filled with test tubes of rock-like beings, which we can only assume are clones of Darkseid in some way, shape, or form. Then we cut back to our story as it happened in the past, we are over on Oa. We see dead guardians, dead lanterns, as the last of some of the lanterns are facing off on the uh, surface of Oa. And we see that uh, Darkseid is trying to shoot his Omega beams at Hal, and Hal is putting up an intricate 
a series of various walls, creating a maze for his Omega beams to dance through. Um, Darkseid says he's done with toying with lanterns and delivers a hell of a punch to uh, Hal Jordan as he smashes through a construct wall. Meanwhile, Superman finally arrives over on Apocalypse to admonish Batman for the death of John John Jones. Uh, Wonder Woman, as she does a billion times in other DC comics, has to break up their little fight and tell them to focus on the battle at hand. Uh, Stephen Wolf is over trying to uh, try killing Amazons. Uh, and meanwhile, someone drives a sword through him back over on Oa. Uh, Darkseid stands in front of the central power battery and puts a um, device on it. And he says, uh, a work of power is a work of art. And Darkseid is somewhat of a collector. Hal says, you don't have any idea what kind of power that battery holds. Uh, you'll kill us all. Darkseid says, that's the plan. Hal says, you can't help yourself. You're greedy for power. It blinds you. You lack willpower. Um, Darkseid retorts, you fool. Darkseid is power. Hal says, you want power. Take it. And as Darkseid says, Darkseid is, Hal picks up the central power battery as it's cracking and brings it down on top of Darkseid's head in a massive explosion that ripples across the surface of Oa. And our issue says, to be continued. Whoa. I thought it was a good action book, but as I mentioned towards the start, this one read pretty fast, I thought. Well, it did, but at least it makes for an easy recap. It does. It does. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I, as much as I enjoy the writing and the art on this thing and the story that it's being told, sometimes I do wish, like, you know, it's almost disappointing in a way, as as exciting as and, and fast-paced as something can be. When you start reading something and then, you know, five minutes later you put it back down because, oh, I guess I guess I'm done. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do wish there was a little bit more to chew, especially when you take into account that this was supposed to be eight issues, but was knocked down to seven. Well, I think beggars can't be choosers. I think we should be happy the fact that it's actually it is probably more intriguing than the regular Green Lantern book we're getting. And there's probably more actual cool Green Lantern stuff in it. So I think we should be. Got to look at the glass half full when it comes comes to this. I wasn't a huge fan of the way they chose to, maybe because it reminds me too much of what they're doing in the Green Lantern book, that the, instead of splitting in one main story, instead of jumping back and forth between the past and the future, that they decided to go the route of do half the book in the present and then half the book in the past. Mm-hmm. Just because it's inconsistent with what, what they've been doing so far. That to me, it, to me, it, it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work as well. What Hal did was cool. It kind of goes along the lines of what we what we kind of suspected that uh, Hal had to do something regarding the power battery in order to not only be in the current state that he's in, but to prevent you know Darkseid from from getting it. It'll be interesting if we if in the actual past in in the then part of the next issue, if we get an inkling of what of what actually happens to Hal because of the because of the explosion, whether. I was thinking about this when I read when I read this yesterday that I, it, it reminds me potentially almost I mean, it, it it doesn't mean they'll go this way. But I thought of the idea that maybe, you know, the, the ring is trying to protect him from all this massive radiation that gets released by the power battery and somehow it transforms him. Mm-hmm. It just similarly to what happened in Superman 82, the last part of Reign of the Superman when cyborg Superman ripped out one of the hoses from engine city was all powered by the kryptonite and was aiming at a Superman and the eradicator steps in front 
takes the full brunt of the radiation. And as the radiation passes through the eradicator, it's transformed. And that's how Superman ended up being restored to his full power and, and full strength. So I'd be curious to see if there's something along those lines of why Hal is basically supercharged and, and the, and the way he clearly is in the, in the current part of the storyline, I guess the, we've seen clones so many damn times. It's kind of like, a, it's kind of like a crutch at this point. Uh, we knew, we knew, and we just talked about this on the last issue. We knew dark side had to show up. A had to have some kind of presence in the present in this story. Mm-hmm. So now I guess this is probably, I guess we're going to, we can ascertain that that's going to, that the clones are going to be the threat of the clones probably will be the main dark side threat and everybody else who has their own agenda come you know coming into this with mongol and and brainiac controlling cyborg superman not what we kind of thought could have been the case where it was cyborg superman controlling brainiac yeah i think it's interesting especially when you talk about i wasn't thinking this before but you saying that made me realize i guess that's what mongol's talking about right because wonder woman's like hey you're you're you hear about Lobo, right? You know, your Amarada stops here. He says, Lobo, I'm an emperor. Why would I care about some Cesarnian bounty hunter? Uh, I came to Apocalypse for resources. I thought the planet had been picked over, but my sources said other, and then the conversation stops. So do we think maybe Mongols referring to, you know, he said conqueror, a kind of army of clone dark sides under his command could be, do you think that's the resource he was after? I don't know if that's the resource. Well, see, here's the missing X factor in this. We know supposedly there's a traitor in the midst of the Justice League, right? Based on previous solicits. That's so, right. So until we find that out, it's hard to really know. If if we work up because we do, however, know there's supposed to be a traitor, that may my instinct was to say no, but it may very well be true. My natural instinct was that he was led to believe there was a resource or, or when that thing came back online, when the clones started coming back online or, re- or released a certain amount of energy from the heart of apocalypse that he was zeroing in on that, not necessarily knowing what he would find, but, oh, there's got to be something pretty important at the, at the heart of apocalypse. But mm. based on the fact that we know there's a trader who basically is feeding it, who you know, must be feeding information out to people, including uh, announcing Lobo's location and things like that to some people. The reality is probably the odds are greater now than I would normally have thought that, yeah, that, that there's even if they don't even if they don't know that necessarily there's a full army of them, that there, there's something there, even if it's, they just think it's one clone. Because, again, it depends what kind of depends what level of clonage we're talking about. Is it just a is it just a body with no memories and nothing else? Or is it basically going is it going to be one of those things where it's these clones are going to be almost like pre-programmed to have all the memories of dark side. So they're going to grow up to be dark side again, no matter, you know, no matter what. So then that's not going to be a good thing. Cause you know, you're never going to be able to control these guys if that's the case. But some of these things, I'm sure next issue, they will, you know, we'll get the answers to some of this stuff. Yeah. So speaking of, do we, do you think we have any idea who the trader could be at this point? Um, my gut says Hal or Kal-El, but I, realistically I don't really get a read off of any of them. Why would you think it would be Hal? Just the sheer amount of loss that he had to face going through this. He's so according to comic book resources, when this issue came out, they believe dark side is dead as a result of what Hal just did here. 
Yes. Which which would seem to line up with just how many issues we have left. It'd be crazy for him to still be alive. And it's something else entirely that kills him. <laughs> that also explains how Hal is the way he is and how the power of the core now works. I think that's too much of a complex thing to still be explaining <laughs> in issues uh, six and seven. Um, so I would take that at face value that Darkseid said. So he killed Darkseid and, you know, he got a taste for it. He understands what, and not necessarily that he's become a murderer, but the idea of, uh, you know, you know, un- uncovering, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, just some plus, you know, Hal's been down this road before kind of. So uh, I don't know. I, I some, something of involving kind of the losses and, and the things he had to face in getting rid of dark side and the central power battery. And then for Kal-El, you know, something about maybe the death of Jean, but otherwise, see, that's just reading into everything. That's not saying in, you know, I can't point to a specific moment in any of these five issues thus far, or a a specific section of dialogue that would lead me to believe anything. I'm just reading between the lines here and kind of making guesses. Well, I mean, the, the, I mean, I don't buy that it's how, but the, but it also, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense for it to be how, because I mean, if you want to look at the whole red herring as, aspect, maybe, but you know, how's the whole, basically the whole reason they are, this is, this is the one thing if you want to, if you want to spin the, uh, well, let me talk, let me explain my, my, my evil plan kind of thing, the Ultron thing that unless you believe that's what's going on, that there's a huge master plan and Hal's turned to the dark side, no pun intended, that it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, other than that, because Hal's the only reason where they are to begin with is because he's the one who needed uh, Batman's help to protect Lobo, mm-hmm. which was always a lame thing anyway, because who the fuck cares about Lobo? I mean, I, I, under, I understand in, in the cos- cosmic scheme of things, you know, he, he should be put on trial no matter what. But I, I get all that, but it's certainly not worth risking the entire, you know, even the lives of the Justice League or anybody else to protect somebody who, even if you believe he could be killed. The idea that it just doesn't seem like it's really a smart investment of time and, and effort. So if you, so I don't, I don't think it's how Superman would make sense because of the animosity between between the two of them, based on the way they've written characters. Wally's always what you have to think about. For some reason, I'm gonna say Wonder Woman. I don't know why. I'll say Wonder Woman. Maybe because she, because she's either sick and tired of the bickering, or she figures this would bring the league together, or the death it. of her sisters. Um, yeah, that's true too. If it was a different editorial group, I would consider, I would consider John Stewart, but John Stewart is kind of, he's pretty, he's so much by the book that it's, it's, but what is with the whole yellow weakness thing coming up? That was kind of stupid, wasn't it? Yeah, that was kind of weird. Maybe it has something to do with the central power battery being within Hal now and all that stuff. Cause didn't, wasn't, well, they got over that part. I was going to say, wasn't it because. Partly explained because Parallax was inside of the battery. Yeah, that's that's that well, was what they, they got over it, right? Yeah, that's that's what was explained to be why the why there was a yellow weakness to begin with, truly because of because Parallax was in, was captured and in, and imprisoned in the central power battery, which is one of the other reasons why Kyle's ring didn't didn't have a yellow weakness because Parallax was freed. Not just because yeah. there wasn't a central power battery, but because he he was free. So that's that hit me like a ton of bricks because that made no sense. It seemed like okay, it's like I don't remember reading a damn thing anywhere saying the yellow weakness is back. Well, I mean, also things that don't make sense. They use logic to explain why uh, 
you know, they can make Mongol no, no threat because momentum is everything in space while they're talking in space over comms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a little bit of <laughs> suspension of disbelief here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it was interesting that you have clones and seemingly in all different ages of development. That, that that was that was that was some somewhat interesting. It reminded me of um, Project was it Cadmus? Yes. Anytime that they you, you show the story of like Superboy, there's a bunch of failed clones and various stages of development and stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was a it was a weird issue. It was it was you know it was entertaining. It was entertaining, but it's again because of all these weird things related to continuity and things, and it's like it. It's hard to put a lot of weight in this because of the fact that, again, it doesn't. It's it seemingly isn't going to have any real weight or bearing on our universe because it seems like it's just this is taking place in a different timeline, a different a different universe, and it's like I don't know. It's it's weird. I enjoyed it, but it, it but. Yeah, it's enjoyable. I think the last thing I was going to say is I was confused by the cover because at a glance, like, look, I, I know the note we ended on last issue and I know there are Manhunters behind Brainiac Cyborg, uh, Cyborg Superman. But still, when I saw the cover to this, I was like, are they fighting like multiplex? Because I'm not used to seeing Manhunters with very human expressions on their faces. Yeah, yeah, and I got the alternate cover. I wasn't married to either cover, but I kind of like the alternate uh, it's a more um, anime-esque sort of look. Yeah, anime paint, painted style. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like that one. Uh, I ended up getting the main cover. Uh, I think they set aside both for me, but I'm just not a big fan of that sort of, sort of style. It definitely looks it looks good, but I know it sounds weird, but it just doesn't match any, anything else in my collection that would tell you that I would go for that sort of a thing. So. It would be nice if we, and I'm, we probably won't, to get an explanation of how Brainiac took over Cyborg Superman, but probably just a take it for granted thing. He's powerful tech, and yeah, I mean, kind of about it. Because it also would be something because of because of what Henshaw can do would make. It also another storyline it reminded me of. It reminded me of when Brainiac took over Doomsday. Mm. And then and then and and he knew that it was a matter of time before Doomsday's consciousness pushed him out. So that's when he, when he ended up back in the metallic body. So it was he was racing against time because he knew basically not just because Doomsday had incredible willpower, but just part of Doomsday's evolution and his ability to overcome anything given enough time that he that it, it was only a matter of time before his resistance was going to be too great for Brainiac's to be able to overcome. So I, I would be curious to see if in theory, in a, in, a, in a world in which this is possible, whether there's enough, you know, whether between fail safes and everything else, whether Henshaw still already working, you know, to get, get himself free of this, because we, as we know, Henshaw is pretty impossible to kill one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, true. Maybe some sort of struggle, internal struggle between, uh, Brainiac and Henshaw. Yeah. Um, all right, so issue six releases on October 12th. That's the scheduled release date. Solicit reads, the Justice League is stranded on an apocalypse that's deadlier than ever with Earth in its crosshairs. Interesting. I wanted to note there because we actually have seen Earth before in this uh, story when Batman was checking in with Nightwing and the others who they left behind while they're doing all this stuff. 
So this continues, and while the League battles with hordes and the clock, they're presented with the ultimate quandary. Protect the galaxy's most most ruthless bounty hunter, Lobo, sacrifice him, or do something more unspeakable. Even worse, they must do all of this while dealing with a traitor in their midst. Will they be too late since all all roads lead to dark side? So we already knew about the traitor thing because I've read that solicit earlier before, but... I, I totally glossed. I was so focused on that last time we mentioned that that I forgot that with Earth and its crosshairs. But the the the, the weak the weak link in this story up to this point is again weighing the pros and the cons and then what what must be done what what your choices are what you can do. I'm trying to phrase it the best way, but based on the having to make a decision between which side to choose. Again, doing all this stuff to protect Lobo seems ridiculous. It just seems ridiculous. Even in the cosmic scheme of things, it seems it seems ridiculous. Um, again, even if you accept that, oh, he can die. The reality is, is it really that if you ever if, if this whole set of dominoes got tipped over because of them trying to protect Lobo? It's like, was that worth it at all? Was it doesn't it make any sense to take those risks and put all this all this stuff on the table. That's problematic just to protect just to protect Lobo. It seems stupid. I mean, it does seem it doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. But I guess we have two more issues to figure figure it out. So yeah, like I said, uh, currently scheduled October twelfth uh, for uh, Last Ride six and November 9th, By the way, guys, for number seven. So we will see soon enough. Yes, yes, we will. All right. What do we want to talk about next? Uh, XM Studios. Yeah, we can spend a few minutes on that. All right, guys. XM Studios is a company based over in, I believe, Japan, uh, somewhere in Asia. I'm pretty sure it's Japan. Um, that has put out some, quite a few of their uh, statues and premium format figures, uh, or, or other statues. We're talking uh, the, I believe it was the Hal Jordan one, was the first one that they came out with. And I know there's a, there's been a John Stewart figure recently, but I don't, I don't think it was. XM Studios that did the John Stewart one um, that was released. I'm just pulling up because they have an option on their website for just to filter by to filter by these uh, companies and stuff. So I, th- I thought they I thought they did do a John Stewart one. Did they? Were they the ones who did John? Because I'm scrolling through, I'm just not seeing John on their site. So. Um, so the Green Lantern Rebirth figure, folks, this is the figure that had uh, uh, Hal Jordan with a whole mess of guns behind him pointed towards the the viewer. I believe we saw this during San Diego uh, last year or the year before. Uh, I believe a complaint about this one was that the the chemtrails or whatever, that the rockets and stuff that are on had a tendency to sort of droop a little bit. So we've heard, we heard about that one. Uh, there was also the Jessica Cruz statue. Uh, and that one is the one with her holding a construct ax. Uh, if you've seen that one. And then a, there's actually a Sinestro one. This is the Sinestro rebirth statue. This is him uh, in his parallax outfit riding atop or standing atop of a of, of parallax. And yeah, I, like, now, I, like, I like that one. I like the Sinestro one. That, that one is pretty great. Uh, I do like it. Now we have Green Lantern Kyle Rayner. This is Kyle Rayner in his um, old school costume, except 
was this is the more modern version of it that we saw during Venditti's run where the symbol wasn't the old symbol it was the regular green lantern symbol otherwise it looked like his original costume uh he's got a couple of big ass rockets pointed towards the reader and he's standing on top of a bust of a mech uh, a construct mech so it is an epic looking statue um but the problem there is that the price point on this one so the price point on this this is all um singapore dollars because xm studios is is based out of there uh is all you know like 700 dollars singapore dollars for uh sinestro there's 600 for jessica looks like 900 singapore dollars for hal but the price point for Kyle, ladies and gentlemen, comes in at one three nine nine Singapore dollars. Which, if you're going to uh, translate that over to the United States, that's uh, one thousand and thirty three U.S. dollars. That is a hefty effing price tag for that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's a it's it's a crazy price realistically uh now we un- now we understand that some of these th- again if you have the money to spend on something then then at the end of the day it's not for you whatever it happens to be it is not too expensive for you but yeah but it's like it does make you wonder who they who they create these things for mm-hmm. sometimes it's like it's like they they that i don't know if you saw it and i figured if i showed it to you the really cool kong statue from godzilla versus kong that had uh, got this really gorgeous head sculpt of Kong in the front. And I think when you turn it around, it has like uh, there's some like remnants of Skull Island in the back, like the wall or something from Skull Island, but also has him sitting on his on the throne mm-hmm. in the back. And that's and that things like 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 14, like something like fourteen hundred dollars or something. And it's like, yeah, it's awesome. But how many people are really going to have that much money to do in it? And I use the term loosely, but to piss away on something like that. I mean, I know they probably don't make too many pieces of that because mm-hmm. for that reason, but it's still, it's like, it's really crazy sometimes to think how. I mean, it is massive. It's two feet tall. So. Yeah, I, I do. I agree. I, I get, I get that. And at first, at first, I didn't actually. I thought the head sculpt to Kyle didn't look great, and then I now now that I actually got a good look at the the close up, I'm a lot I'm a lot happier with it. Between the mask oh, and, yeah. the ha- and the hair, there's there's no doubt that the detail, the paint job, the, it, this in terms of I don't want to say worth it, but in terms of I mean in, in terms of artistic beauty, it's pretty damn close to worth it. I mean, worth it is 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 Relative. subjective, yeah, but like. Uh, there's, there's a lot of detail on this thing, uh, and they put a lot of work into it and it's very intricate. So I, I, I disagree with the size of that price point, but at the same time, like if I were to spend that much money, you know, if I had that much money to spend and I I got that in my collection, I'd probably be like, I don't regret this. I'd probably look at it every day, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I love you Kyle. (laughs) Uh, I I wasn't so before they announced the price I wasn't going to get it because I was thinking, look I know it's going to be expensive I didn't know it was going to be this expensive but I was like I know it's going to be expensive and if I cave and buy this but then they release an Alan Scott 
I'm going to be pissed <laughs> because I'm not buying two of these fucking things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so this just, I mean, it's, is it likely that they'll do Alan? Probably not. But then again, guys, thus far, the XM studios lineup, uh, you know, you've got your atypical, you know, regular characters and flash and the Aquaman and, I think Aquaman's on the seahorse and like all this kind of crazy shit. But then you've also got, they've done a black Adam statue, which, you know, there's a movie coming up. So maybe not that big of a deal, but they did a reverse flash statue. They did a doomsday statue, a penguin statue, bizarro freaking Hawkman, Lex Luthor, Superman from rebirth. When he's like, he has the, the suit with the S shield on it. Like they've done a couple of like, really? They did that sort of character thing so i it's not beyond them to do an allen at some point if they did but this price point pretty much insured i'm not getting this freaking thing (laughs) i want it i want it bad it looks beautiful but i that is so much money a thousand dollars because by the way guys while while xm is based in singapore they do have a U.S. distributor, and that is GFX di- Distribution, if you want to look on their website. I don't think they have this particular one up yet, but then again, XM Studios just put it up on their own website. So give it a minute for their U.S. distributors to get it on their site. But yeah, GFX Distribution will be responsible for getting it out here in the United States. But holy God, that's just so much money. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of money. I The Sinestro one was really nice. I do like that one. That one, that one I've actually been tempted. I think I know orders are closed on XM. I don't know if that necessarily means uh, GFX is sold out or not, but yeah, that if that one was 700, then that's six, six twenty something like that. Maybe us SGD SGD to us. And that one was, yeah, 700 to, but yes. And, Sinestro, yeah. $517 US. Well, it's, That's five, much it's, five, it's $579 on, on GFX right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you could, it, it, it is available. It is, it is a, with an $80 deposit. It's actually, it should be shipping soon, supposedly. It's supposed to, it says shipping ETA third quarter 2021. I, I like was, it. I just don't know if I care about Sinestro that much. <laughs> Well, if it was just regular Sinestro, no, but because it's Sinestro in the parallax outfit with the with the, even though it's not to be fair, it's not the best thing. It's not the best rendition of the parallax entity. Yeah. So it is probably more. Uh, it probably is a more accurate rendition of the one we saw in the actual uh, Sinestro series, I think. Yeah. And I don't like the Jessica Cruz one. Her face looks weird. I don't know if you've seen that one. Rafa Sandoval. That's that's what the Sinestro one apparently is based on. Yeah, it's yeah that one because of the uniqueness. Again, if it's real, if it was a little, if it was a little cheaper, I I would be real tempted. I mean, I think when I got the, I think when I got that classic confrontation Hal versus Parallax statue, that was like two fifty or two seventy or something like that. If so, if this was somewhere in that range, even factoring in that that was, you know, obviously cost of inflation and everything, I would probably get this because I could probably, I, I would, I would find a home for this, or maybe I put it almost directly next to that statue. Mm-hmm. But and it's still now that I know that it's available, it is, it is still tempting. But I just, I don't think I can 
I can justify it, but it's, it's, I think, so you're on the GFX distribution website right now. Yes. I think when you first load the page, so the first photo is like the one with the coffee cup and he's facing directly towards you. I think the fourth photo is actually a better way to pose that the sort of side view where you're seeing the right side of parallax and you can set it kind of see the cape better flowing out from behind. Yeah, I could see that. And you get, there's more detail on the side of parallax's face. And you still get enough of the. Well, the problem is we're kind of getting a skewed view because if you actually displayed it, you'd have to be careful how to display it. Cause if you displayed it too much, it looked like you'd miss the skunk patch in Sinestro's hair. If you yeah, turn it, if you, if you turn and that, and that to me, and that is part of the appeal. Part of the appeal isn't just him in, in the parallax armor, but the fact that you got the, uh, that you, he does have the white hair. Luckily he yeah. didn't have the jagged teeth. Thank God. Good God. I hate that. Yeah. I, I it, it is tempting. It, it is. All those statues are tempting on one level, but I agree that Je- I think the Jessica one is the Jessica one is probably the weakest of, of those three. And she got a really strong jawline for some reason. I don't know if that's necessarily what bugs me about it, but it's definitely strange. The Howl one is still, if, if I didn't hear about the potential problems that was happening with that, those rockets and the trails from them, I would think, you know, that's probably almost a no brainer, but because at least Hal himself looks crazy cool. Yeah, he does. So I definitely think the Kyle one, though, for me is the most, the single most tempting so far. It's just a shame. It's so freaking much. <laughs> yes, it, it, it definitely is. It definitely is a lot of money. It's, I know it's big, but it, it, it's kind of hard to, you know, when you think about it, to have had that cost like twice as much as give or take as much as any of the others. That's kind of. I know it's a lot. It's more elaborate from a, in a way from a construct perspective, but yeah, I get it. I mean, if if you're a Kyle person, I understand why that would, especially since there's not many things like this for Kyle, and certainly Kyle's been that hasn't got from a merchandising perspective. Kyle hasn't been big lately at all, so I guess that that is more of an entices one a little bit more for that reason. But it's mm-hmm. nice. It, it 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 is nice. A nice metallic green on Kyle's mask and things like that. I think it's, and we know Ron Mars loves it. He, we saw, we saw a tweet. I saw a tweet from him earlier and he's definitely taken in by it. Uh, but yeah, it, there's one of the photos on XM studios website guys is, is one of the XM studios employees behind directly behind the statue. And it's the size of this whole dude's torso. <laughs> so this thing is, this thing is a big ass statue. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Just thought I'd bring it up. I, you know, I, I know it's sort of selfish because, you know, usually review copies of things people let you keep for the most part. I still do wish that they would send this, send us this sort of stuff to review because even if we have, you know, even if they pay for shipping back or whatever, uh, you know, like we're, we'll give it to you to review, but you can't keep it sort of a thing. That's who cares? Like somebody in our audience who might not otherwise know this thing existed probably has the money to buy it right like just we could get the news out to somebody so i don't know what's interesting is the the run on kyle is supposed to be like 600 599 compared to the jessica cruz when the run is much is much smaller mm. jessica cruz is, is only is only 300 which is maybe the reason why they hiked up the price because you would consider because you look at hers hers is so much less elaborate than any of the others. So it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard when you're looking at raw price to justify why hers is, hers is so much 
compared to Sinestro when you're actually getting so much more bang for the buck with yeah. Sinestro, but maybe it's, but Sinestro's product, his uh, production run is, is, is in line with most of everything else. Like even Doomsday, which I actually don't like that Doomsday all that much, but most, it looks like most of their production runs are in the same, you know, 500 or whatever I said, 500, 600 range, but uh, 500 range, mm-hmm. give or take that. Well, Kyle is six. To be fair, Kyle is close to six. Kyle is five ninety nine, but Sinestro was four ninety nine, and Doomsday is four ninety nine. So it looks like Kyle's production run is actually a little larger than mm. a lot of their, than some of the other ones that they do. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right. The other thing I was going to mention, Mark. Actually, Mark, did you have anything you wanted to mention? I know I would list it off a bunch of crap. Yes, but you might as well finish yours first. Okay, a couple things. Uh, so I was able to dig up the cover for Green Lantern number seven, which is coming out. For some reason, they only showed us uh, Green Lantern number seven's variant cover, which, if you guys are playing along at home, is the image that you've probably seen online. It's a black and white sort of watercolor-looking image by Marco Santucci of Sinestro. Uh, but the image that we see as cover A for Green Lantern number seven is actually... Um, some uh, I believe Bernard Chang artwork and it shows Kilowog being attacked by some blue sort of crystalline sort of looking creatures, which of course leads you to believe, okay, well, why do they keep this cover a secret? Did they even keep it a secret or, you know, are they just bad about releasing these images on time? Uh, Who knows? But if it was an intentional secret, you're like, okay, well then why? Okay, so Kilowog looks like he's in danger here, possibly being killed. The last time we saw Kilowog written by Jeffrey Thorne in danger, uh, possibly being killed in his Green Lantern uniform, was Future State, where we had a flashback from by John Stewart to Kilowog on his hands and knees, all torn up, telling John essentially to keep carrying the torch sort of a thing. So is Green Lantern 7 a death of Kilowog story? There's a whole lot of maybes in that statement, so probably not, but interesting cover nonetheless. Yeah, it is. It is. I I don't really want to speculate all that much uh, at this point. The reality is because we don't know how much a future state's going to play out verbatim clearly because we already know they've made changes to begin with. Not surprisingly, mm-hmm. but we, you know, Kelly was on friggin' Mogo, heading to what the dark sectors or whatever wherever the mm-hmm. hell she was going to meet Joe, right? It was to meet Joe, I believe. And so obviously that's all completely different in this universe's version of future state or the fallout thereof. So who, who knows, but would it surprise us if that's what happens? Probably not. <laughs> uh, but with the, you know, death, you know, death being having consequences and, and everything else. And these deaths are going to stick and all that, that mantra that, yeah, we certainly don't want, we certainly wouldn't want to see Kilowog uh, biting a big one. Yeah, for sure. I really hope they don't do that, but <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah, uh, it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't put anything past anybody at this stage of the game. Yeah, uh, I mentioned it last episode. I'm going to mention it again. Jessica Cruz unearthed these uh, original graphic novel by Lilium Rivera with art by Steph C is now out. I have read it. Uh, we're not going to be talking about it on the show. It has absolutely nothing to do with Green Lantern other than the fact that it focuses on Jessica Cruz. And uh, John Stewart is a part of that. Uh, he's, But they're just kids, basically. I think maybe juniors, seniors in high school. 
something like that. Uh, there is no Green Lantern action whatsoever in this. Obviously, a theme of it is willpower, um, but there is no Green Lantern action whatsoever. This story is heavily, as of, as in fact, if you le- read the solicit for it, it is just straight up a story about illegal immigration. Uh, and because it's just straight up a political story, we're you know we cannot cover it without getting into a political debate about the topic that it's uh, talking about, which we don't need to get into in a podcast about Green Lantern. (laughs) So uh, any more than we normally do, at least. (laughs) So um, it's out there. I, I personally enjoyed it. Uh, There's a, there's a lot of Aztec sort of stuff in there. uh, And I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say that there are two different Aztec gods that appear to Jessica uh, for one reason or another in her dreams and those particular artistic sequences and the way they utilize those characters based on their historical representation, what they're supposed to be gods of that sort of thing is, is interesting and entertaining and really fun to look at, especially because those dream sequences usually tend to be like double page sort of spreads or full page spreads. So it's really a chance for this sort of interesting, unique artistic style here uh, by Steph C to really shine. So um, it's not a bad story. It's not a bad story writing or art wise, but there's no Green Lantern action in terms of, you know, the ring, the uniform, the constructs, that sort of a thing. Uh, and it's and it's a politically charged story. And uh, we don't need to be getting into a debate on the show, but it's out there. It's enjoyable. It was enjoyable to me. If you like this sort of a thing, go go track it down. There's actually a couple of preview pages looks like seven preview pages, but uh, including the um, cover over on DC Comics, because uh, just look up uh, Jessica Cruz Unearth on Google and you will see one of your results is a is a link directly to DC Comics. It says DC reveals first look at Unearth a Jessica Cruz story so that you can take a look at some of the interior art and um, read a little bit more about the solicit and things like that. Yep. But it's out there. Go find it if you like. What do you got, man? Uh, one little thing, right? Yeah, this one, this you probably won't have much to add. I don't know if you'll have much to add to the other, but this is the one that's more straightforward. I just happened to notice I'm big, bad toy store before earlier in the afternoon, actually, that if there's anybody out there who likes the Star Wars, you know, FX lightsabers, and they, you've been looking for a Kylo Ren saber, but you didn't want to spend the outrageous money because they are outrageous money these days, certainly compared to when I was getting them. That for what it's worth, the Rise of Skywalker Kylo Ren uh, Force FX lightsaber is 40% off now. So something that retails mm-hmm. normally for 300 is 179.99, which is still ridiculously expensive, but not as ridiculously expensive as 300. <laughs> so it does come with a, you know it does come with a nice display stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the blades, including the cross guard blades, are removable which I think is pretty standard these days on the force FX lightsabers. So I've toyed around with the idea of getting a lightsaber, but never, never this one. It'd probably be online at ultra savers where you can build your own. Yeah. I have uh, built my own lightsabers too, but I have, I had the Darth Maul double, double bladed saber, which I still honestly don't think when I got my, the double bladed Darth Maul saber, I don't think it, 
I don't think it costs as much as they charge as they're charging for any of these now. I mean, they have the they have the yellow, they have the Ray one, which would be cool. The the yellow one that she built at the end of Rise of Skywalker. That even that's like over two hundred dollars, and it's nothing. And honestly, those things are nothing special as far as the Darth Maul one would make sense to be crazy, because it's you know it's double bladed. But and even you can make the case of Kylo a little bit a little bit because of the cross guard and everything else. But they've just hiked up the prices on so on so many of these. But all I have left of the Force FX, I have uh of, of the regular legitimate Star Wars ones, I have Anakin from Revenge of the Sith, and I had the Darth Maul one. Those are the only those are the only two I have. But I figured it was worth mentioning just because I happen to notice, and it's odd seeing something that that expensive be marked down that much. And it is a, and it is significant in case in case it was something that somebody was you know. They were hoping to get a Kylo Ren. Or I, I, they like Kylo Ren lightsaber, but it was kind of hard to justify spending full, you know, full amount on. Then Big Bad just, Toy Store sells comics. Do they? I was just yeah. I was as you were talking. I was just saying like, well, you know, whatever the sales. I just clicked on the DC Comics thing, and it was just like, hey, see all DC. I'm like two pages in. There's a Green Arrow, the Longbow Hunters Saga Omnibus Volume Two, and a Deathstroke by Christopher Priest Omnibus. I didn't know they were selling graphic novels. Graphic novels, I'm to buy anything other than just straight up toys, figures, things like that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I've ever if I ever noticed that either, but but it makes in a way it would make sense that they would that they would sell some graphic novels and stuff. They might might as well just branch out. So that was so that so there was that, and then this is to me this is more interesting because this would be good for for any listener feedback if you've if you've noticed this too yeah look the friggin the black series ray force fx lightsaber is 264 dollars and 99 cents jesus that's ridiculous it's utterly nuts to pay to pay that much for something i mean and they were never that they were not that crazy expensive they were only i think the most expensive i mean a darth maul i think might have been like 200 when i got it but then again that was centuries ago and it, it's two lightsabers. Basically, that's what it is. You because you had two, you had options when Darth Maul came out. You could have either bought one Darth, you could have bought one, a single, you know, one end of the Darth Maul lightsaber, or the option was to get. Technically, I guess it's two options. You could have gotten two, even though I don't think if you bought the two individual ones, I'm not sure if they came with the connector. But if you bought the full double bladed, basically they're two lightsabers. You unscrew the ends, you connect, you you connect them together with a special connector. And that's, but yeah, it's, that's crazy. All right. So unrelated to, to lightsabers. Well, I, this is where, again, if you've, no, it'd be worth looking at for people in general, even if you haven't noticed this or you have no interest in seeing this movie, this is something that I noticed last week. It was after I went to, we went to the movies. It was Friday. It must've been last Friday that my friend Dan mentioned to me, he texted me about getting tickets for bond for no time to die because that comes out mm, not next week. Cause that's, well, by the time this gets released, it'll be this week. But as we're recording this, Venom is still a week, is still a week away from from coming out. But Bond is right after Venom. I went to get the advanced tickets with the Regal Unlimited, which should normally cost me just fifty cents for the transaction, the so-called convenience fee of being able to buy buy the advanced tickets through the app. But instead of that, it was like three dollars and fifty cents for a ticket, and fifty cents for the convenience fee. Which of course makes no sense because the whole part of Regal Unlimited is you're getting free movies. At first, I, you know, I got the ticket and it bothered me immediately. And I emailed Regal and they gave me some really, which was annoying too. They gave me a really lame excuse saying, "Oh, it has to do with the deluxe reclining seats." And you're, and we do not have deluxe reclining seats. 
at Poughkeepsie Galleria. We do not. It's the same stadium seating that they had when they built the addition in those theaters in 2006 to 2007. Perfectly comfortable seats. They're not deluxe recliner seats. They're just regular stadium seating. So that was bullshit to begin with. But then as I started looking, the real issue and the reason or the, the, the issue that has kind of cascaded in why they're charging extra for everybody, for the, for the Regal Unlimited people, is because the actual tickets, the, the raw tickets for the advanced early showings, everything before it, it opens on Friday for, for Bond, they're $17.15 when the normal evening ticket for us is $13.65. So they're just simply charging more for Bond early showings. And they're passing that on even to the Regal Unlimited people. But I also found while I was re- looking at this, and mind you, Regal didn't reply back to me after I sent them all these. I replied to their lame reply about the seats, about blaming it on the recliners. I must have sent four different replies to that, pointing out what they, why they were wrong about what they were saying and what was really going on here. But I also realized that once you got to Friday, October 8th, Guess what? The prices dropped back down to 13.65. So for whatever reason, probably because of the studio, because of how much money Bond cost, so there is, and they may be putting the screws to the, to the to the chain to do this, or they're testing the waters to see whether people would be willing to pay more money to go see like the anything before the actual release Friday releases. But either way, that's why it's more money because it, it's literally like three dollars and change more per ticket to see it on Thursday night at eight o'clock than to see it the next day at eight o'clock, which is utterly ridiculous. And I'd just be curious if anybody else, if anybody else at their theater, if, they, if you went out and look at the tickets that are now, the advanced ticketing, which is available now, to see if there's any difference between at your theater, if you go to see thir- Thursday night, October 7th, at the prices, the ticket prices are being listed differently. Because that's it just struck me. It was it was ridiculous. I couldn't figure it out. And I had just gotten the Venom ticket, like probably a couple like within five days before, we had just gotten our Venom ticket. So we knew they weren't it wasn't a change overall. But then once I realized, hey, once you get to Friday, and even before Friday and any other any other movie playing in the same exact house, it still was the same price, normal price, but only bond was being charged like three dollars plus more. So I thought that was total garbage. And I just would be curious if anybody if anybody just doing their own research near them, if any of their theaters are doing the same the same exact thing for that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't buy any of those tickets through that through that system. So I'm not entirely sure. I, I, I haven't gotten my tickets for Venom yet. Obviously, guys, I, I plan on seeing it. Mark and I had a whole conversation about this, but even even that excluding, I don't know if for sure for sure if the if me buying a ticket for that night would mean i necessarily would have that night available so i hopefully hopefully i'll i'll see it sooner rather than later that's the plan at least so but the but the thing about the but the thing about just to make to clarify the thing about bond is you don't have to i didn't notice about the regular pricing through the regal app because i can't see the regular pricing because i'm part Mm -hmm. i'm part of the unlimited plan so i'm i don't get to see what the regular price of the ticket normally is because it auto which is one of the flaws with the app especially if you it auto populates in your free ticket which means if i'm trying if i want to get two tickets to the movie if i don't know if i if i found out after the fact i needed to get a second ticket basically i'd have to go back and cancel my first one and go back in and get my ticket for free and a second ticket 
to a movie at the same time because it all automatically auto populates in the free ticket. So you can't go back back in a second time, even if even if you want to pay for if you know you got to pay for for a second ticket, you can't because it, the app up to this point, the algorithm gets all screwed up and it says and it just says you already have a ticket to the showing and, and it basically kicks you out. So I know I find, I know the difference in pricing just by going on Fandango. And that's how almost mm-hmm. anybody could do it. You could go on. Pe- people go, go on to their theater, see what see what the tickets are being charged for an evening showing on the seventh of Bond and see if it's any different. If you go to get, you know, you'll see what the tickets are showing or for the showings on Friday are. And that's how I found out because I that's what I noticed. I was like, oh, OK, it's still garbage that they're sticking it to the Regal Unlimited people. But now I understand at least where it's stemming from, theoretically, because they're charging over three dollars more at 1715 listed versus a 1365 price the next day or for any other movie, including Venom playing in the same exact in the same exact house a couple of days before. I, I, it struck me as odd and, it, and it's really been eating at me. So I figured it'd be it'd be a good thing to throw out, throw out there just to see if anybody else has any experience like that or if anybody takes the time to go check their to check their theater. I know it's not every theater around here because they check the other Regal theater down in Fishkill and that and their price for Thursday and Friday are the same. But I find but so maybe it's maybe they're testing the waters, but they're testing it only in certain places, certain theaters mm-hmm. just to see. But either way, I, I would bet it's not a regal thing. I would bet it's the studio because of how much money they're probably going to take a bath on with Bond, even if it does really well everywhere. That at this point, because of the delays and how much money the movie costs, that they're probably never going to come close to breaking even or let alone make money on this. But it's still it's still a half-assed thing to do, and it's even worse, I think, sticking it to the Regal Unlimited people because, I mean, it sucks for everybody, but if you don't go to the movies that much to, to notice what the di- regular price difference is, that's something different. I'm, you know, we're we're paying every month to get unlimited tickets, unlimited free tickets. So to charge me $3.50 for a ticket besides the 50-cent convenience fee, it's like, I'm not paying to get discounted tickets. I'm paying to get free tickets to anything, not Fathom events or anything like that. Just anything, you know, any first run, any first run movie that comes out, I, you know, I can get a free ticket to pretty much anything. And it's like, and if I get my ticket at the theater, I don't even have to pay the 50 cent convenience fee unless they change that. But when it first came out, if you went to day off and just got your tickets at the theater, you wouldn't even be paying that. It'd be completely free to then to stick it to give you basically an, ex, an extra ticket fee just be, just to see them, <clears throat> just seeing that movie like the day before. That's ridiculous. No. Uh, I think we've had this conversation before. Did, uh, do you ever get any comic books graded? No, not yet. I know I'm probably going to because not just from our, our conversations. I know my father actually has been kind of pushing me to do that because he knows a guy that he there's a guy that he's friends with down in Florida has been that he's actually willing, I think, willing to do the do the grading. I just have thing is I have to go through my endless tubs of comics and pull out and not only pull out the important ones, but I got to remember which ones that I have off the top of my head to even go rummaging for. Obviously, a Hulk, you know, 181's a no-brainer. Yeah. But, uh, and and so would, and this is why, because I had this conversation at the comic shop a couple of weeks ago, because they did the reprint of Werewolf by Night 32. And we were talking about the fact that, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, I, I, I had that issue. I was like, you should get that graded, because he was he, he was looking at the prices, like even, even like a so-so copy of that, you were still worth like, you know, like $1,200, $1,500. Yeah, for sure. I actually, I have two now. Uh, one for free comic book day, my local comic book shop uh, had a raffle. Um, 
for a 9.8 Venom number 25, like a store sketch variant cover or whatever graded. I got it. I actually won the raffle. So I had that. But before that, did you know, uh, August 25th, 2020, uh, the CGC Comics, uh, who, who one of the two comp- big companies that does the grading, announced uh, an in-house signing event with a bunch of different creators, including Jeff Johns and Doug Monkey. So I signed up for that, and I sent in my Green Lantern 43 for you guys that are playing along at home. That's the prologue to Blackest Night with uh, Black Hand on the cover, and he kills himself in that issue, that whole thing. If you if, So uh, in addition to all the other information that those CGC things show... It also tells you when the particular person signed it. Mine was signed by Doug Monkey. Again, this event was announced August of uh, August of 2020, late August 2020. Doug Monkey signed it April 16th of 2021, and Jeff John signed it August 21st of 2021. And I got it back. Uh, I, I picked it up at the comic book store like on the first of September or whatever. Nice. So it took a year <laughs> to get, which is not normal to get this damn thing back. But I have my green lantern 43. Now it's graded at a 9.0 signed by Jeff Johns and Doug monkey. And uh, Jeff put a, above it. He put like a little word balloon above uh black hand. It says death is here. So that's cool. Um, I got that back, but it, it just got me thinking about, you know, comic book rating because I've actually recently picked up, started, you know, I, I did something, uh, for a wedding present, I got uh, some friends of friends of mine. Um, the 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 two people who own uh, and run uh, Bat City Comic Professionals off of East Cesar Chavez in Austin, Texas, the the local comic book shop I go to, uh, Matt and Shannon. They they got married last year, but it was like a Justice of the Peace thing because of the pandemic and everything. So they had like a second chance wedding sort of a thing where they could actually throw a party and have a ceremony. And unfortunately, I couldn't attend that either. So, but I got them a wedding present, and that present I bought off of eBay. Um, Fantastic Four, I think forty-six or thirty-six. That's the first appearance of Medusa. Um, I got them that, but then it led me on like a whole shopping trip of my own. So I was like, okay, well, what comic books first appearances would I want and can afford that aren't going crazy out there? So I started looking at certain things. I, I got some other things on the back burner, but like. Just uh, yesterday arrived in the mail my first appearance of Renee Montoya um, as Detective Renee Montoya. Uh, today I got in the mail my my first appearance of Anton Arcane from Swamp Thing as well as the Patchwork Man in Swamp Thing number two. Um, unfortunately, the UPS seems to have lost this one, but I did buy Blackhawk number 108, which is the first publication by DC Comics of Blackhawks after they acquired the rights um, from the original publication company. And I also got the first appearance of uh, Phantom Stranger in the Silver Age. Uh, so I've got a bunch of stuff heading that way. And then, of course, the other first appearances and shit I own, you know, guys, I have all of the issues now of the, well, except for the first one, issue 76 of the Green Lantern Green Arrow run, maybe getting the, my first appearance, Guy Gardner graded, getting my first appearance, John Stewart graded all that other stuff. It's just been on my mind lately. I don't know what to do. Cause like you, I need to go through my comics. I have my, luckily I have my CLZ app, uh, collector Z app, uh, which is a paid app, but guys, I'm telling you it's worth it. If you have a lot of freaking comics, because if I pull this up right now and mine is up to date, I have 2,997 comics. 
So, <laughs> uh, and at some point I'm going to be changing all of that over from what they're currently in, which is long boxes in my little storage room over here to short drawer boxes that'll be in my bedroom that stack nice and neatly. So at some point I'm gonna have to go through all of those too, which will be an ideal time to pull out everything I want to get graded, but can be an expensive little endeavor to get those things graded. I did some like rough estimate. I mean, rough searching to find some of the issues that I know that I have just to get an idea of just generally speaking what, you know, what, what the, what the range is for some things like uh, obviously, you know, no, my Hulk 181 is not in great shape. I know that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how I last time I last time I took it out of its bag. I know it's, the cover was intact, but I don't know how how you know it probably literally must be hanging on by a thread at this point, considering considering how old it is. Werewolf by Night 32 will be in much better shape because it's. I think it's just. I think it's. I think it's newer anyway. I believe, but not by much, maybe. But it's. But either way, it's, it wasn't as. I think I kept it in, I think it was kept in a little slightly better shape at the time anyway. But now I've a lot of pretty much the good news is I have so many of the Spider-Man issues from like one, 128 going forward. So I have a lot of, a lot of issues that would be worth, that would be worth money, including, you know, the first, well, I would have had the first Jacko first Punisher if I hadn't cut it up when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, Spider-Man 129 will haunt me to my grave because I did have that original issue. I have 128 with the Vulture intact, but 129, which I only cut up because of the Vol- because of the Jackal, who actually in the big picture ultimately is the more important Spider-Man character, but not the more important Marvel character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have like I have a second. I have 134, 135, which is the second appearance of the Punisher, and I think the first Tarantula, and. 136, 137, the first Harry Osborn Green Goblin, and yeah, so I have, I have a lot of those. So those those are probably would be worth something just because it's it, it's in that it's in that you know it's in that age that era, and I have most of the issues of the Incredible Hulk from like 180. Actually, from most of the ones from like even in the 170s, I have some of the ones I think the oldest issues. Now, well, actually, I think the oldest issue I actually have of the Incredible Hulk was the one when he fought Doctor Doom, which I got after the fact. But I have almost everything from like 181 going forward through uh, into the around, around 300, somewhere around 300 when, when Dr. Strange banishes him. That's about when I, that's when I stopped reading comics for like a couple of years before I got back into it. So I have yeah. a lot of stuff that I know of that. I have things that I know that would be, you know, that would be worth money. Obviously the newer stuff is less likely to be worth a lot. Cause it has to be, in, uh, cause it has to be in pristine shape. Yeah, basically, grade-wise, if it's not a 9, basically, if the new stuff, if you want to get it graded, it better be a 9.8. Right. Like, I have, like I know I have Spider-Man 300 mm-hmm. with Venom. I actually, I know I have the first McFarlane with, and the fir- with the first Venom, you know, like, hint, appearance, cameo. I have, I have those. I know that. I don't know what kind of shape they're in, they, but I do know, I do know I have all those, and I have... You know, there's there's lot. You know, I I have lots of, of lots of the older stuff. The newer stuff, yeah, you don't know how, you don't know how much it's going to be worth, and because it has to be pristine, even all even all the reign of the Superman stuff and all that stuff, it's like they make so many copies in in the modern era that it, it's got to be pristine to be worth anything, or else there's almost no point. Yeah, I I've got like Adventure Comics three twelve, which is the resurrection of Lightning Lad. I've got. 317 for Experience of Dream Girl, 365 for Experience of Shadow Lass, 
346 is a big one. I've got that. That's the first appearance of Karate Kid, Princess Projector, Feral Lad, and Nemesis Kid. Uh, so like that's a that's a big key in terms of Legion stuff. But like, guys, this is just basically straight up your reminder to pay attention to eBay right now, especially if you're Green Lantern fans, because nobody gives a shit about our property right now, which means all that stuff is going for cheap. And I'll tell you, like uh, just another little brag, because this is one of my favorite recent purchases on eBay, relatively recent. I got this in March. Um, Justice League of America, number 21. And for those of you who don't know the numbers off the top of your head. That's the Justice League issue where they team up with the JSA. The league is all gathered around that crystal ball and like in a puff of smoke becomes the JSA. Like that's iconic. I got that for like 65 bucks. <laughs> um, uh, I, I just mentioned I got Renee Montoya, first appearance of her in Batman 475. That was $12. I got uh, the first appearance of Tim Drake in Batman 436, $10. Um Speaking to Green Lantern, I got uh, Green Lantern 78 because that was one of the one of one of three issues I was missing from my GLGA run. That's a that's a cover with the, the yellow cover with the Black Canary. Um, I got that for 21 bucks. Um, by the way, I'm also missing 88. I know I said I have a full collection. I technically do because 88 is just a reprint issue. Uh, first, the first Silver Age Phantom Stranger, first DC Silver Age Blackhawks. Um, my swamp thing number two guys uh oh, by the way speaking of green lantern also on my way should be here friday uh green lantern number 30 that's the um cover with all the pterodactyls on it uh that's the first appearance of cat matui i got that for 30 bucks it's on the way to me be here friday uh and speaking of by the way you guys know i do the trading card unboxing videos over on our youtube channel uh, i did find another dc I, I for some reason i didn't know this set existed when i was looking up dc trading cards uh, in the past but i found this uh, the 1996 Skybox uh, DC Comics Firepower series. I got a sealed box of that on my on its way, so I'll be hopefully having a video soon. But specifically to showcase the fact that nobody cares about Green Lantern. Here's what I do, guys. And I know I'm only inviting uh, competitors to this process, but but share and share alike. I go on my eBay app. I search the term Green Lantern. I sort by ending soonest. And I just scroll through for a good while until I'm at two, three days out, something like that. And I just watch everything I'm interested in that's not already above my price point. This is how I got the 2011 DC Mezco Mezits Green Lantern and Sinestro San Diego Comic-Con exclusive pack and the, the mini pack for a dollar, a dollar, guys. And it's still sealed. I had to pay like 12, 15 bucks shipping or something like that. And 1402 for shipping. But uh, yeah, I got a 2011 San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Green Lantern item for a (laughs) dollar. So pay attention to eBay. Like, I know we've had this talk before, but never before have I had such an extreme example. <laughs> Which is funny, because when we were talking about the Sinestro statue, uh, I happened to notice, I think there was like White Lantern Sinestro from the con exclusive. I think that was, was that New York Comic Con? I think White yeah. Lantern. That it was like, tw- I think there was one listed for like, tw- I think 20 bucks on eBay. Was like, yeah, uh, I was, I was watching, ooh, ended. Let me find my endings. I was watching a lot of stuff. Um, so... 
where was it? Oh, okay. So it ended up going, and this is still cheap. Someone was selling the Blue Lantern 2009 Hal Jordan San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, right? This is still a pretty good deal, I think. 158 bucks. That's what it ended up going for. Now, I wasn't going to shell that out. And when I followed it, it was only going for like 60 at the time. But 158 bucks. Uh, those are usually going for what, Mark? Two, two fifty right now? Oh, let's see. I'm I'm looking as we speak. Uh, By the way, guys, I'm, for those of you not familiar, this is the 2009 Blackest Night series. I think there were fi- limited to 1,500 pieces. There was an Orange Lantern Hal, yellow, blue, red. There was a green. I have the green, but that one was 3,000. Yeah, green was the easiest one I got. Yeah. Um, but I never got any of the others, but the blue one just went for, uh, one ended, ended at 158. Yeah. I see one that's listed now for 160. There's a, I think I just saw a yellow lantern. Hal, it was like, it's a 199. Yeah. You know me. And of course the green is the easiest one to get. There's a, there's a, there's one for 59.99. Yeah. So it says pre-owned, which means which means it's probably at least we know the plastic bag was opened, if not, if nothing else. Yeah, I've always had a hard time deciding if I was going to go after one of these other ones because I know there's no way, you know, after the con, there's no way I'm going to be getting all of them anymore. If I was going to go after one, it's I still can't decide. I'm I'm pretty sure I'd go with blue, but like I'm also tempted by red and orange. I honestly, I still to this day, it's these came out in 2009. I still don't know which one I'd go after. I'm just glad I got the set. That was a good investment at the time. It was luck of the draw that that they accepted my bid on that before, you know, before when when all the people that knew they were going to Comic-Con would say, hey, we have these. Uh, we're going to have these, even though, of course, nobody physically had them on hand at the time. And it's like uh, they were sell- they were they were selling sets. And I put the bid in and I put the bid in for what two, for two hundred dollars because I, I had made the determination. You know what? There's five of these things I'm willing to go for forty dollars or so each so i was like that's that's i'm i think i'm willing i can i can see myself going going that high on the so it's like so i just i think i put in a bid just for I think it was two hundred dollars and they accepted it and they got them so and i that's how i that's how i ended up with the entire set and then over and i ended up i got another green i bought another green off of i think ebay at one point yeah. and obviously i got a couple of i had i think i i know i i have at least one Sinestro, at least one white Sinestro and one white Hal. I think one of those I have two of. I just don't remember which one. Yeah, I have both, but they're out of the box. Um, I, I know that's why it was hard to remember because I <clears throat> because my my Hal and my Sinestro are outside of the box because my Sinestro is on top of the the uh power the white power battery prop. But I don't but I don't I but I think I ha- I think Sinestro might be the one that I ended up having two of and I just didn't open open the second one but yeah the, the the honestly the thing i would want the most is not even in one of the blackest night howls it's actually uh c2e2 in 2000 i think 11 had the 1000 piece limited edition brightest day white lantern batman yeah that one i do not have that one i really want but i i, I see it on ebay right now two hundred dollars or best offer uh it's rare that you'll see it on on here, but it's a C2E2 exclusive limited to 1000 pieces. Uh, here's another one, $215 or best offer. Yeah. 
just I'm not a $300 or best offer. I'm not spending that much money on a fucking figure. A two pack because there were there were two by the way. There was the C2E2 exclusive um, White Lantern Batman Brightest Day figure and the exclusive uh, White Lantern Flash um, exclusive, both limited to a thousand pieces. There's a there's a someone selling both of them for five hundred dollars right now. It's like I'm not spending that much money. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to justify that. That's why you gotta. That's why you have to draw draw the line somewhere. Just like when we're looking at these statues, it's like, yeah, it would be cool to have, but yeah. can you really justify spending five, you know, five hundred dollars on something that you're? That's a lot of money to spend on something that has no Return practical value. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, a sentimental value. You might, depending on what it is, you might be able to. You might be able to turn it around, maybe depending on what it is and you might be especially let's say if you never if you have instant buyer's regret and you get it and, and you don't even open it and you decide to just sell it then maybe you know maybe you can uh, at least break even if nothing else but the odds are you're kind of stuck with that so if unless you're really really happy unless you i feel i get buyer i get buyer's remorse sometimes when i order a pop for god's sake let, you yeah. let alone let alone spending six hundred six hundred dollars on a statue which is why i scrapped i, I was because of my love for Marvin the Martian, I had, I had pre-ordered that Marvin the Martian pop from uh, Space Jam. And, of course, for some stupid reason, that pop hadn't, hasn't come out yet, even though we're almost in October. So I canceled it because I don't because now it's like I don't really need that. And I use that as a justification to get another another Kong, another Kong thing. But the reality is it's like I also ordered the zombie cap. You know, I ordered the Z- zombie Captain America. So. Yeah, my uh, my Venom Let There Be Carnage movie pops finally arrived the other day, so those are cool. I got yeah, they are, they are they are cool. Got them from Entertainment Earth. I just sent Mark a photo of that. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, all this stuff went longer than we supposed, but it's it's fun to to BS sometimes like this. Yeah, man, for sure. All right, if people want to reach out to us, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So whichever platform you listen to us on or platforms, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, the number to use is 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN and let us know what you think. I don't think we've decided specifically on what's next. I, I know we have some a, a set of ideas, but we don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. So we will talk to you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>